Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to another very special episode, episode number 128. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Last episode, I warned you about how ugly things could get. And so now, especially, is a time to stay vigilant. The truth is, this did unfold more quickly than we had anticipated. So what's happened? Afghanistan political leaders gave up and fled the country. The Afghan military collapsed, sometime without trying to fight. If anything, the developments of the past week reinforced that ending U.S. military involvement in Afghanistan now was the right decision. Yes. Ending it now was the right decision. But ending it like this was the wrong decision. And it was the president's decision and the president's failure. And now it's America's failure. Failing to plan is planning to fail. And the whole world can now see how badly our president failed to plan. But this week, as the world watched in horror, he passed the buck. Yeah, this week we finally heard from our commander-in-chief, and it's good that he finally spoke. But it was too much of the same old tired rehashing of how we got here. It took him way too long to recognize the brutal reality that we all see now. It was still too much looking backwards, too much explaining, too much defending, too much blame on others, and still too much victim-shaming of the Afghans for a lack of will. There was no focus on the larger regional instability that's developed and the refugee catastrophe happening now. No plan to save women or others facing slaughter and oppression. And there were promises, but no specifics or new initiatives on how we're going to save our Afghan allies. The tens of thousands of brave men and women who stood alongside American troops like me since 9-11 and are being now left to die. To so many in Afghanistan now, facing the threat of death, running to planes, and running from the Taliban. Biden's words feel like more empty promises and an abandonment of our allies. Overall, in this speech, and for the last few weeks, it's been a doubling down on the Biden doctrine and his rationale for withdrawal, rather than an updated plan or a vision for what's next. And it sounds like he's decided America is focused on irresponsibly washing our hands of all of it. Biden's whole speech felt like he did it because he was dragged into doing it, which he was. And he left all of us with many more questions than answers and feeling even more concerned. Watching him end the last few weeks are very much like watching the fall of Saigon in Vietnam. But it's also been like watching Baghdad in 2003 all over again. Back then, Dick Cheney was saying we'd be greeted like liberators. This time, Joe Biden said the Taliban taking Kabul and taking over the country was highly unlikely. Every politician will disappoint you sooner or later. And for so many of us, this 
is that time for Joe Biden. That's why so many Americans now, and veterans especially, feel angry and feel betrayed. Because if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. It didn't have to be like this. As our guest in the last episode, Army Major Matt Zeller so powerfully explained. Many of you have written to me and told me how moved you were by that episode. And Matt Zeller's been on a tear ever since, all over the media, ringing the bell and saving lives. Matt Zeller is America's conscience calling. And what's happening right now in Kabul is like the DMV line from hell. And if you don't get to the front of the line, you die. It's not just a military problem. It's a paperwork problem. It's a bureaucracy problem. It's an execution problem that America failed to adequately execute five months ago. And now, veterans like Matt Zeller and me and so many of you listening and so many of our friends are getting tragic messages from across Afghanistan, from friends who fear death. And we're getting messages from our friends here at home asking us how they can save their allies still left behind. And where do we send them? What do we do? President Biden hasn't given us an answer. And our friends are dying. These are dark times. It's been a dark few days. And it can get worse, especially if we turn our eyes away. I've been doing a lot of media over the last week. And I was booked on a lot of shows for today and tomorrow that have canceled their segments. Too many are already moving on because the violence seems to have subsided for just a couple of hours. Two weeks from now, the media and Biden will have moved on. And only America's veterans, the Afghan people, and the Taliban will still be focused on Forgotistan. And this show will stay focused on Afghanistan, and whatever else is the most urgent, most important issue facing our country. No matter what your political background, and especially if you're independent, this is going to be your place for information you won't find anywhere else. Last episode, I brought you a voice and a perspective that needed to be heard, and I tried to keep you ahead of the curve, bringing you an important, inspiring, iconic perspective that most hadn't heard. Matt Zeller shared the perspective of those trapped in Afghanistan right now and the perspective of so many veterans here at home. And now, Matt Zeller's all over the media and America is starting to understand and Biden is starting to feel the heat. But we've got a long way to go. And there are other voices that America still hasn't heard. Critical voices like the one you'll hear today. How would you feel right now if someone you loved was killed in Afghanistan? What if your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your father, your mother died in Afghanistan? How would you feel right now? How do the 2,443 military families that have lost a loved one in Afghanistan since 9-11 feel right now? Well, you're about to find out. This group is certainly not a monolith. There are differences among them, but there are also commonalities. And there are calls we need to hear. And in this episode, 
you'll hear from one of the most powerful among those voices, a true American hero, Jane Horton. Jane Horton is my friend. And I'm lucky enough to have a lot of friends. But few do I respect more than Jane. She is very special. And soon, you'll find out why. She's a respected and influential leader in the national security and veteran space in Washington and across the globe. She's a fearless and relentless advocate who's worked across the aisle with Democrats, Republicans, and independents alike to write legislation, policies, and create programs to better the lives of veterans, service members, and their families, and especially the lives of Gold Star families. Gold Star families are recognized as such because of the Gold Star flags that they sometimes fly. When someone's deployed, you fly a blue star in your window of your house. If you lose them, that blue star goes to gold. Jane's a voice for all the Gold Star families out there. And she's on a mission that is a continuation of the mission her husband fought, bled, and died for. Her husband, Army Specialist Christopher Horton, was just 26 years old when he was killed in Afghanistan on September 9, 2011. Chris was a young sniper killed in a firefight in Paktia Province, along with two other members of the Oklahoma National Guard's 45th Infantry Brigade Combat Team. And Jane's been on a heroic, noble mission ever since. Jane served as a senior advisor in the Office of the Secretary of Defense in the Pentagon. And she's a critical counsel to presidents, secretaries of defense, and senior leaders across the military. She's also served as congressional and military liaison for the Embassy of Afghanistan in Washington. She's a policy consultant to the Travis Mannion Foundation and the advisory board to the Independence Fund, Freedom Hunters, Remember My Service, Medals of Honor, and the Global War on Terrorism Memorial Foundation. And last year, Jane served as a presidential delegate to the Invictus Games in Sydney, Australia, where she met with Prince Harry and was appointed to the U.S.-Afghan Women's Council, co-chaired by Laura Bush and Hillary Clinton. She's a proud native of Cleveland, Ohio, and she's been on every major news network, and she's written for places ranging from Task and Purpose to Huffington Post and The Drudge Report. She has a passion for this country and for people that is unparalleled. She's earned multiple awards for her community and civilian service and traveled to combat zones to visit the troops in Iraq and Afghanistan on numerous occasions. She's been there, in Afghanistan and here at home. And she's another voice of conscience for America at a critical time. This is another urgent conversation to inspire and help you stay vigilant, because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom, especially right now. And Independent Americans is going to continue to bring you light to contrast all the heat of the other political pods and shows. And we're going to bring you the Righteous Media Five Eyes. Independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And a conversation to focus you, to empower you, and to help you stay vigilant. Because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. A price we might appreciate a bit more than we did a few weeks ago. Jane is here to talk from the heart, from personal experience, and from the soul. Welcome to the real talk you're not hearing on your TV or radio. 
Welcome to the personal, human side of the war in Afghanistan. Welcome to a humbling conversation you will not soon forget. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 128. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world, and especially inside of Afghanistan right now, I am bringing you a very urgent, important, and I know will be inspiring conversation with a woman that I really, truly admire uh, at the deepest level. Uh, She's a friend. Uh, She's been a great counsel to me, a mentor in more ways than she understands, and a true, I think a true American hero, a true American badass and just someone I'm so thankful to know. Uh, The great and powerful Jane Horton finally joins me on Independent Americans. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me, Paul. Thanks for making me smile today. You got it. You've made me smile a lot over the years. Um, And I I think the first time we ever met, Jane, was outside of a Capitol Hill building. Was that it? You tell me, because I know you'll know, because you remember. Actually, I forgot about that, but I think I emailed you a couple of times. And, you know, when you're in D.C., when you don't know who someone is, you'll be like, okay, well, let me do some research on them. And then I saw you and I was like, hey, I'm the girl who emailed you. You can't hide now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was like it was a very good and effective uh, ambush, but a good one. And I think it, it, it like in that moment, I was obviously moved by you, but it's something you've been really good at over, over decades now of like finding people of influence and power, including presidents and getting them in front of you and making them listen to what they need to hear. I mean, I think Jane, you're better at it than almost anybody I've known. And it's, it's really moved a lot of policy people conversations. um, And there's a lot to get into. Obviously it's a very emotional time for our community, for you, um, for many in this country. Um, so I want to start by asking you, Jane, I ask everybody, where are you and how are you? So Jane, yeah. where, where are you and how are you? Um, you know, I'm broken today. So um, I, it's taken me back to days that I never thought I'd go back to places I never thought I'd see again in this lifetime. And I know our whole community is deeply hurting in our country and the world and in Afghanistan. So you know, I'm grateful for the opportunity to speak out. I'm humbled for the opportunity to be an American, but we have a lot of work ahead of us. I, I'm thankful for your candor and your time. We don't have a lot of time because you've got a, a hard stop and many important things to do. But can you maybe start, Jane, by telling me um, this is a really hard day for many folks, but probably for you uniquely as Afghanistan is crumbling um, people are experiencing it in different ways. And I want to get to your work as one yeah. of the most powerful advocates for Gold Star families and the bigger picture of the people you often speak on behalf of. But for you, what's the last couple of days been like? What's your inbox look like? What's your phone look like? You know, I haven't been this busy. It hasn't, my phone, my inbox hasn't looked this way since my husband died. It's literally been, I've had, I can't even count, you know, I've gotten probably over probably at the, uh, over a thousand calls and text messages and messages about getting people out of Afghanistan or service members with their interpreters on the ground. I have friends on the ground that are in vulnerable situations that I'm having to help them make life or death situations that I'm not qualified to make, but I'm the only person they have. 
um, I've gotten probably 70 to 100 messages from Gold Star families. It's the same message from everyone. Completely brokenness and something that I don't want to admit, but has to be said, is we need to know that our loved ones and our tears and our sacrifice and their blood wasn't for nothing. And so it's it's been horrific, you know, but it's also one of those times when, you know, what it looks like is the movie Pearl Harbor um, in a way when once once the attack happens and all the bloody people are rushing towards one of the main characters and she doesn't know who do I help, who do I help? And she's overtired. And so I know it's been like that for our whole community. But you are uh, in a unique position because you've been out in front, you've been public, you've been selfless. You've worked inside government, outside of government. You've worked overseas. You've worked here at home. But can you talk, Jane? I don't want to tell your story because you're so good at telling it. Um, we're coming up, I know, on the anniversary of the day that Chris was killed, I believe, yeah. September 9th, right? Yes, sir. 10 years um, this year. Can you share with our audience in whatever way you feel is, is appropriate and best? Um, how did you get to the point here? where people are calling on you and, and what led you to this, to this moment where you are helping so many others? You know, knocking on doors, being a public advocate, um, loving people, you know, I just want to help people. You know, I understand pain. And if I can do one little thing to help people take away their pain, it's the greatest honor of my life. But, you know, after my husband was killed, I started moving I moved to D.C. about a year later. I started knocking on doors, asking members of Congress, you know, do you know what happens after someone's killed? Do you know what happens after the knock at the door, the casualty process? Little to no one really knew what happens. And there's a lot of issues that we can make better for families that have already been through unimaginable. So I've worked in D.C. now for almost nine years trying to write policy, uh, advocate to the Pentagon. I've written several policies, written several laws created a program last year I might not have even been able to tell you about yet, but a Gold Star Fellowship that's named after my husband and another fallen soldier, Sergeant First Class Shane Cooley, um, to give Gold Star families a paid fellowship on Capitol Hill for their member of Congress or in the district. So doing things to empower families, give them a voice, because people need to hear from us. This stuff is real. We're real people. We want to engage in America and we want to be able to, you know, the best way to honor the fallen is to live the best life possible um, and is to do something for the country that they're willing to fight, bleed, and die for. And so I've been doing that. I also worked um, and went to Afghanistan with General Dunford for the first time in 2016 as a special assistant. I've been five times since then, so six times total. I've done some work with the Afghans, um, done work with Afghan widows and orphans on the ground, uh, helped try to bring uh, you know, our country and Afghanistan closer in many ways and also bring healing to veterans through all the good that was done and all the women that were getting educated in positions of government. Afghanistan had more women in parliament than we had we have in Congress. Um, all the little girls that are being educated. So it's just so many different things, so many different uh I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to say death because obviously I know what death is life, but it's it's death. So Jane, I, I have these images of you over, you know, the last decade um, in Afghanistan, on television, in Capitol Hill. But you, there, there were moments during presidential debates. There were moments during elections when 
uh, I would send you some of the IAVA policy sections and say, Jane, rip it apart. Tell us what we're, what we're missing. And you would add that perspective and that expertise. But you were also great at, frankly, cornering people in power and, and even like making sure during debates, I think maybe your name was mentioned before, but like both parties. Uh, but I remember, you know, you're cornering Ted Cruz and you, I see you, you know, getting in front of Donald Trump and you got in front of these people knowing that they would potentially be in a position to make huge policy changes. Um, can you talk about, you kind of had a, a, I don't want to say a rap, but like you had, you had a, a, a message and it was consistent when you got in front of these people and eventually Trump brought you into the administration and you did some good inside. What did you tell them when you got in front of them? You know, I told them that most of my generation is at home being mom and dad to their kids. We've been through unfathomable loss and many of them you're not going to hear from because they can't handle it. So I'm going to speak on behalf of them. You know, some of the administrative um, programs we have have got to be fixed. It takes families a long time to get a hold of people at different government organizations. It's hard to find out what their benefits are. So I would just tell them, you know, once you get into power, I just want you to remember there's this group of people that the nation reveres and they care about. But oftentimes, almost always, they forget that there has to be policy behind it. Like we can say we care about veterans all day long, but there's a whole agency, you know, and we're actually in their motto of the Department of Veterans Affairs to care for those who are born the battle, the widow and the orphan. And so we often get left out, if not always. Um, it's been getting, it's gotten better throughout the years, throughout speeches, policies, there's people fighting now for us, but just remembering that, yes, I know the country cares about us, but there has to be policy to back that up. And there's families that are hurting. Um, and it's, and please don't forget about us. Jane, how old were you when Chris was killed? Uh, 25. So you were, you were 25 and, you know, you're, you've described in great detail you know, how your life was, was turned upside down forever. But ever since then, you've been carrying on Chris's legacy, I think, in an incredible way. Um, you now, you know, are a voice for so many other people who have gone through that. Uh, I don't speak for all veterans, and I'm always careful about that. But I have a feel, right, for what's going on. And I have a lot of inputs I hear from a lot of people. You're at the forefront for Gold Star families, people who've lost someone in combat since 9-11. This is unique for them. And I don't see them on TV right now. And often when they are, it's politicized and the Democrats would have theirs and the Republicans would have theirs. Right. But but take us inside your community as a voice for that community and tell us what you think people need to know about what Gold Star families are experiencing right now. You know, when, what an honor to be a voice for them. And may I be worthy to be that. So, you know, it's brokenness. We're broken. We're scared. Uh, the little bit that we held on to that, you know, Afghan women and children were thriving. I got a letter from a fiance that lost her, um, her fiance on the ground in Afghanistan. And in the letter he wrote her, if he were to die, he said, if I could give my life for one Afghan child to have a better life, it's worth it. And she, yeah, <laughs> nonstop texts like that, nonstop letters. People are like, what's happening? We're so confused. You know, is my loved one's legacy worth it? And we're just horrified that our loved one's lives who wanted nothing more than to serve and defend this beautiful nation of different people, of people that believe this or believe that. But as a nation, 
that's what makes us unique is that you can believe something, Paul, and I could believe something, but we can talk about it as Americans and we can learn from each other and we've lost that. And so for us, we just want to know that it was worth something. And we're just worried about this country that our loved ones gave their lives for. And our hearts are completely shattered for the people of Afghanistan. Jane, I've, I've talked a lot in the media in the last week, uh, as I know you have and will. Um, I've been trying to explain to people, this isn't just about the last 20 years and about whether we stay in Afghanistan or whether we don't. It's about the moral imperative of yanking the, the rug out from under people that were our friends and our allies and leaving them to die, right? Yes. Like, we, I think most Americans thought we should have gotten out. Many veterans think we should have gotten out. The question is how we get out. And we didn't have yeah. to get out like this. And I want you to help people understand, for the people who say, ah, if we stayed for 20 years, we stay for 21 years. I've made the case, if you stayed for 21 years, maybe you got 100,000 people out and then you got out, right? It didn't have to all go down in flames like this. Can you, in your words, explain what you want people to understand about this now? From It's political. It's by nature political. We need the president to do things. What do you want yeah. them to understand about what's happening on the ground? And frankly, what do you want Joe Biden to do? I hope he calls you. I don't know if he will. What do you want people to understand? What do you want Joe Biden to do? Uh, you know, obviously, this is deeply personal to me. We all know that. We all can see that. But as a former national security um, professional or a current one, this is way more um, dire than than people think. This is really affecting America in many levels. You know, it's the international community. This looks so bad. And to back up real quick on your question, this is not anymore about what we should have done even. This is what are we going to do going forward? Because we as a country have got to do something to fix this. So all these debates about what should have, could have, would have happened, first of all, they're deeply painful to us because it's always, well, we should have got out of there after Osama bin Laden was killed. Well, most of our loved ones were killed, not most of them, but a lot of the ones that I'm close to, our loved ones were killed after that, including to one who's um, husband was the last one killed in Afghanistan two days after we signed the peace agreement with the Taliban. So it's deeply painful for us, but this has so many implications for our country as a whole, for the troops on the ground that have spent years working with Afghans, for all of our you know special forces that work closely with the Afghans that are calling desperately to help get help for people that are calling them screaming, I'm going to get killed. Um, yeah, we have to move forward and we have to find out what we're going to do to fix it. And yeah, I hope we get to the bottom of what happened, but we can do that after we focus on the troops on the ground right now, the Afghans that are waiting to find out if they're going to live or die and uh, just the whole situation overall. As for what I want the president to do, you know, our nation wrap his arms around the military community. My heart is so broken for them and service members and people that have deployed so many times. You know, and it's not about just the fallen. It's about people that have left their sons and daughters and they don't recognize their mom or their dad because they've been gone for, for years fighting this war that unraveled in a couple of days. And so this is, in my opinion, this is what happens when the country is so divided. You know, united we prosper, divided we fall. And I know this is cheesy, but I hope we can come together like we did on 9-11 for 9-11 this year. And I will say that it's also extra significant to me because that's the day 10 years ago that I went to get my husband's body from Dover on 9-11. And so I just hope that we can find out what we can do. We can work together as a country 
too. And across, I hope Democrats and Republicans and independents and everyone in between can come together to work on this dire situation that is making us look horrible to the world and is hurting and killing and ripping apart lives of a lot of people and see what we can do to mend mend it and also wrap our arms around the military community because they're not okay. I've never seen anything like this. I, that's, that's part of why I wanted to have you on to ring that bell. And when we know, you know, there, there are people who are way out in front and I explained it to my wife today. I said, you know, they're hurting bad and, yeah. and to, to, to dedicate your life to this for so long and have it go like this, you just can't make sense of it. There's so much anger and emotion and overflow. And I know you're doing, as you always do a brilliant job of channeling it and focusing it and, and looking at the future. But you, I assume you've met Joe Biden before. You've met almost everybody in Washington of influence and power. Um, how did he miss this, Jane? Like, I expected him to understand it. Bo had been there, you know, in Iraq. He was, he was the first uh, Blue Star family member we've had since 9-11. I thought he was going to get this. So how did he miss it? And, and can we have uh, hope that he will come around and, and that they will get their shit together and make this right? So the beauty of America and why I'm in love with my country is because we do have a voice as Americans. And so what people don't understand about politics is people do listen. And whichever way the country thinks is where politicians go. And people didn't care about Afghanistan. I know you call it for Godistan, which every time I know you're speaking truth, every time a dagger to the heart, because we should have talked about this years ago when we had men and women willing to fight, bleed, and die for us during an all-volunteer force that were there for no other reason because they loved us and they loved their country. So, yeah, moving forward, I just think that people need to realize that we do have a say in America and politicians do listen to what the country thinks and people want it out and they did not care. So I think they thought we could just get out and nobody would even notice (laughs) and nobody would care. And so here we are with this, you know, with our new friends, the Taliban, which is me being sarcastic for people that don't know me, Um, our troops on the ground, people at the airport that can't get there, you know, they're not letting women and children get to the airport. Uh, I'm hearing that there's all kinds of issues on the ground. Um, People are so scared, but we as a nation do have a voice. And so I encourage everyone to have your voices heard. Speak out if you're a veteran, Gold Star family member, service member. Write down your thoughts and your feelings because they matter. They're important. Your service and your sacrifice matters and people need to hear. Because I know it's an honor to be part of the 1% that defends this nation. But also they need to know that while they're at the mall, we're fighting and we're willing to you know, bleed. We're willing to die. And I say that as someone that didn't serve, I'm speaking on behalf of my husband, which I will. Um, But also, you know, we have to pay attention to that. It's not fair that people don't pay attention while people are fight bleeding and dying for them. And so that's what I would say. Jane, you have been serving in ways that are incomprehensible. And I think you've served, you know, I, for those of us who've worn the uniform, we look at you in awe because you've served so many times over in so many ways, so many ways when you didn't have to, and you've continued to sacrifice. And I've said this before, every time you tell your story and you tell Chris's story, it hurts. I know that. And, and I thank you for enduring that. 
let me ask you to put one last point on it and I've got to let you go for people to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put pressure. I've, I've tweeted. What more yeah. can I do? Organizations they can support money. They can donate. You know, if they say, I want to do more, yeah. what, what, where would you direct them now for the I people who or- do want to help? Sorry, Paul. I think organizations are amazing. And we have such incredible people like you that have started organizations that have made such an impact. But I also think because there are so many people always want to go to an organization when I say, this is the time to go to someone you know, and you need to find someone, a neighbor. Do not ask them what they need. Nobody has any clue what they need. I just had a wonderful friend reach out today, yesterday, and she's like, I'm delivering dinner tomorrow. And I was like, that's really nice. You know, just do something, take the kids, bring the kids something, go over and talk, bring dinner, but actually find someone. Or if you know someone, they're going to tell you they're fine. Nobody, Mm -hmm. most people aren't going to admit they're not okay, but I'm telling you they are not okay. So I ask you to reach out to your communities, do something for people. I just say, wrap your arms around the country, wrap your arms around the military veterans community, gold star community right now. And yes, look for good organizations, but people need, real live people. And yes, you know, all these crisis lines we have are wonderful, but if you know someone, people also need to know that their neighbors care and that Americans care. So America needs to do that right now. That is such good advice. And I knew it would be, um, (laughs) you are a true American hero. You know, I'm hearing from Vietnam vets who are telling me that this is triggering for them, um, because of Saigon. And I heard from World War II vets who told me that 9-11 was triggering for them because they experienced kamikazes. So I want people to understand it's all generations. It's not just people of our generation. We've got to wrap our arms around it. And Jane, you are a conscience for America. You know, I wish you would run for office and I know you won't, um, but you are an incredible human being. I love you. My family loves you. Um, I want to, I want to, I hope you'll come back. Um, when you have more time. But until then, uh, thank you for all that you're doing. Know that we appreciate you and we love you and that every day you're changing and saving lives. And I can't thank you enough for being here with me today to share your thoughts. Thanks for your kindness, Paul. It made my day and it filled me with the confidence I need and the strength I need to keep pushing forward because the country needs to hear from me and you. And may I be worthy of your words and I will spend the rest of my life earning them. Mm. You're going to get a lot more love after I post this. So everybody show love to Jane, wrap your arms around her and, and listen to her, right? Do what she says. Uh, she used to hand out a lot of bracelets, but oftentimes we say, what would Jane Horton do? That's been a great, uh, it's been a, no, it has been a great, a great azimuth for me and many others. We'll let you go. Jane Horton, the great and powerful Jane Horton. Thank you for all that you do, my friend. And, and please stay vigilant. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. My deepest thanks to Jane Horton, a true modern American hero. Watch for her in the media and look for me to retweet any of her media appearances and ways to follow her on social. My massive thanks also especially to my wife and my two boys, Ryder and River. Thank you to our fearless Patreon members. Those of you who are part of the vigilant, the very vigilant, the most vigilant. If you're already a member of that Patreon community, you will be getting extra content with Jane. We're still keeping it down to earth, and I asked Jane her favorite drink, her first car, and what makes her happy. If you're a Patreon member, you're going to get it today. If you're not, you can join us for exclusive access to content and events by becoming a member of our Independent Americans Patreon community. 
It's just five bucks, and you get access to that kind of content. You get access to our guests, merch discounts, and lots more. My thanks also to the Fearless Righteous Media team, creative Chris Rosenthal, brilliant Bill Schultz, and precise Paula Hernandez. They make this show possible. And if you thought this episode was good stuff, please go to the Apple Podcast Store and give us five stars. And I know the Apple Podcast Store has been breaking down lately, so you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere else you get podcasts. Be sure to subscribe for free and share. Visit us everywhere on social media. I am tweeting lots of good content. And check out independentamericans.us. You can see video of this conversation with Jane. You can share that video with folks who aren't into podcasting and see over 100 episodes, including many leaders who have lived Afghanistan for the last 20 years, ranging from Medal of Honor recipient Flo Groberg to fantastic ABC reporter Martha Raddatz to tattoo artist Scott Campbell to Admiral James Stravides to New York firefighter Rob Sarah, whose first day on the job was 9-11, and lots of other badasses that are connected to Afghanistan or connected to foreign policy or connected to America's future. They'll all inspire you and ground you, especially as the 20th anniversary of 9-11 years. It's also on the Righteous Media YouTube page. Check out lots of video content there. America is more divided than ever. But we're going to continue to try to fight that. And Independent Americans is adding light to contrast the heat. We're going to continue to bring you the Righteous Media Five Eyes, independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. And explore the most pressing issues of the day with leaders who are shaping what America will be in the future. We've got a big fall coming up. And if you're among the 40% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. If you're a Republican or a Democrat, but you're not a diehard partisan, this is your show. If you're a concerned American who cares about the future of your country, this is your show. Or if you're deep in Afghanistan, hanging on, this is your show. All are welcome. We invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. It's been a rough couple of days in America especially for those of us who are connected to Afghanistan. But whether you are or you're not, look out for each other, especially now. Ask yourself, what would Jane Horton do? Find someone to help and make the effort. And keep this movement growing week by week, and we'll stay vigilant. Because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And with hope in our hearts, it's the reason we have a country that people still want to risk their life and limb to come to. Pass that hope and know that you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant. And even if it's just one, we can save and change lives. We're all in this together. From Jane Horton to Matt Zeller to Joe Biden to you. All across the country and especially inside Afghanistan right now. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Thanks for listening. Stay frosty especially all of you in Afghanistan right now. And stay vigilant, America. America.